So we're having a look at this passage. It's a relatively small passage, a very short psalm. And as an introduction to the, to the series, to this idea that we're looking at the Songs of Ascent, uh, we're going to be looking at um, what are the Songs of Ascent. It's a pretty weird, weird name. But basically, it's Songs for the Journey. That's a good way of thinking about it. Songs for the Journey. It's a pretty cliched thing, isn't it, to say life is like a journey. You just had enough of that. It's it's in all of our books. It's in all of our kind of films. It's kind of in our songs. It's just really cliche, isn't it? But I suppose it's there so often because it reflects about what life is really like, isn't it? It is a journey. We're born and we change. We progress. We grow. And of course... You move on to the next thing and the next thing. And so a journey is a very good reflection of what life is like. In, uh, in the Bible, there's this lady called Hagar, who, uh, because she's pretty much abused by her master's wife, or her master, she runs away. She runs away from her family. She runs away from her friends, her masters. She runs away from the church, the people of God. And she's this broken woman. And the angel of the Lord meets with her in the wilderness. And the Lord asks Hagar two very revealing questions, two very deep questions. The Lord asks her, where have you come from? And where are you going? Saying, what journey are you on, Hagar? Because how you answer those questions reveals a lot about who you are, where you're at, where your heart is, what your relationship with the Lord is, doesn't it? So I wonder if Jesus Christ were to ask you today, where have you come from and where are you going? I wonder how you would answer that. What journey are you on at the moment? Now, I suppose there'd be so many different answers to that. But if you're a Christian... I'd like to suggest that you do know where you've come from. You do know where you're going. You do know that. The Christian life is a journey as well. It's full of ups and downs. There's seasons of hard questions. There's time of learning, time of growth. But if you're a believer in Jesus, you know where you've come from. And ultimately, you know where you're going. And these songs that are written, we're going to be looking at the kind of context that they're written in, how the Old Testament believers sang these when they're on a journey. They're songs to encourage one another, to remind each other, um, and to spur one another on as they're traveling to their destination. And so as we're on our journey, we can be encouraged and be spurred on by these And the Bible's full of journeys, isn't it? I suppose if you just know the Bible a little bit, you'll know of all the journeys. Probably the most famous one is the Israelites in the the desert wandering around. Of course, each of these, they have a destination. Each journey has this destination. For the Israelites, it's to this promised land, this land of blessing, where uh, the Lord would bring them, And the Lord would be with them. He would be their God and they would be his people. 
And they realized that even when they're in the land, it's just a picture. It's just a picture that all, like, like us, like all believers, we're all on this Christian journey. We're all traveling to the destination of where God is, of the promised land. The world around us is all temporary. It's all temporary. It's like the airport lounge. I don't know whether some of you have been on holidays and you've had to drive to the airport. And I wonder if any of you, when getting to the airport, said, oh, this is quite nice. I think I'll just spend a couple of weeks here. Just put my legs up. I once had to spend 24 hours in Nairobi Airport because, stupidly, I missed my flight to Madagascar. I was gutted. And because I, didn't, I was so sure that if I went anywhere else, I'd miss the next flight as well. I stayed there for 24 hours. I met a very good friend who I chatted to. I think he was from the Netherlands or something. I chatted to him a lot. But no way did I want to stay there a minute longer than I had to. And that's what this world is like. It's transitory. This isn't all there is. This isn't the final place. We're looking towards a glorious future, a sure, eternal inheritance. It's We're looking forward to heaven, to be with the Lord, to see him as he is. And so all these journeys, all these journeys. But in this section, we're looking at the Songs of Ascent. And why this funny name? Why this strange name, Songs of Ascent? Well, Ascent just means kind of coming up, means raising up, ascending. It's the same word. And it's because the Old Testament, they had various festivals throughout the year. And so even when they're in the promised land, to remind them that they're still on a journey, they're still making it just like we are today. We're still pilgrims. They would have to journey at various times in the year. They'd have to all gather at Jerusalem, where the temple was. And there'd be... Uh, coming up to Jerusalem. And it's called the Songs of Ascent because Jerusalem is a city on a hill. So it's a fairly simple, physical thing. But it's called the Songs of Ascent because they're singing it as they're ascending. But of course, there's more to it. They're singing these songs to lift themselves as they're being lifted as they gather at Jerusalem. So it's Songs of Ascent. And it's songs for the journey. As I said before, as they're traveling up to this Um, to worship, to celebrate these various festivals in Zion or Jerusalem, on the holy hill where God was. So firstly, let's think about where they were going. Where are they traveling? Well, they're going to Jerusalem. They're going to uh, Zion. It says in our passage that this is where the Lord is from Zion. And the picture of... um, of the heavenly Zion, of where uh, the Lord is enthroned in heaven, the Lord gave in the Old Testament this picture of heaven on earth, which was the temple, which was where God uh, manifested his glory. It's where his presence was. This was the meeting place between God and humanity. It was where the angel of the Lord was enthroned on the mercy seat, all these funny Christian words basically mean it means where God was king. It's where he reigned. And Jerusalem was this city where 
this temple was and where the Lord had set his name. And this was where they were going. But of course, these Old Testament believers weren't just going to Jerusalem because it was a nice venue. It wasn't just the, the best place to meet, didn't have nice cozy chairs or the best coffee. It was, of course, to meet with the Lord himself. That was why they were gathering there. It's this Lord who is the maker of heaven and earth. And there's a lot in those words. I mean, I know that this is a very short psalm, but by just, by just uttering this name, the Lord, that's a huge, huge thing to say. It means so much. It's such a deep name because this Lord stands for the great I am. I am. It's the name that God himself gave himself. It's his personal name. And it's translated as kind of like I am. It means I, I always have been, I always am now, and I always will be. It's talking about his eternal majesty. How he is the great I am who is above and before all, who created all, and in whom all things hold together. And yet there's another side to this name, the Lord, who they're coming to meet in Jerusalem. Because it's not just this big, brute force of a name. It's a tender name that he gives when he's making a covenant, promises to his people. So it speaks about the Lord's faithfulness. This is a trustworthy God who loves his people and wants them to gather to be united to him. And he's the maker of the heaven and earth. So that was why these Old Testament saints were traveling. It's such an epic journey, isn't it? And they got to do this at various points in the year. They got to do this, travel from wherever they were to go to pretty much what was the capital city, bring all your friends. It's a festival like Christmas or Easter. And then they would be traveling all together and singing songs as they go and thinking we're going to meet with the Lord Almighty who loves us, who keeps his promises. All these things must have been buzzing around in their heads as they are traveling. But of course, as they're on the road, there's going to be difficult times, isn't there? And it's going to be not ideal. There's going to be stresses in the family and all these things. And so we need encouragement. And so this is why these psalms were written. Such an epic destination. And as I say, this, this picture is, applies to us today. Because we can so often slip into thinking, what's the Old Testament got to do with me? The Bible seems so irrelevant. And yet it's not. Because this journey is like the little picture on your sat-nav as you're traveling somewhere. It's the picture to, well, for me, to make sense of reality. As you're traveling around and you might be, you might be lost or you can't make sense of where it is, you need the lady on there to say, turn left in 400 yards. I usually miss it. But it's, it's that. It's a picture to make sense of reality. It's a map these um, Israelites. And it was a map for them as well. I don't, want to, um, I don't want to take the reality from them either because them traveling 
various times through the year to, to meet with the Lord was a reminder to them, just as it is to us, that we're all on a journey to the heavenly Jerusalem. Because that is where the Lord is. That is where Jesus is enthroned between the cherubim. That's where his throne is, where he reigns. That's where, that is the reality of the universe, if you like. That's the control room for the universe. And we're heading towards there if we're a believer in Jesus. So just as these Old Testament saints were traveling, so we are traveling. Them to an earthly Jerusalem, but us to a heavenly Jerusalem. Them to a a festival that would at some point end. Us to an eternal celebration of what the Lord has done. Where everything is made right and perfect. And so we can learn a lot. We can learn a lot. But who is this journey for? Who is this journey for? So firstly, who can ascend the holy hill? There's a common, I don't know whether it's still commonly used, but I've heard it a couple of times. And it's relevant because it speaks about God and mountains and about how we can know how we can know God. I wonder whether you've heard this, that all religions are like different paths up a mountain. As if it were, there is, there is this, this God on Zion, or in Jerusalem in biblical terms, and all the different religions are all making their way up to the same point, but they can't see where the other ones, that the other ones are actually leading to the same place. Now, how, how do we deal with that? Is that... Is that what we're saying here. Are we all on this journey? That's what I'm trying to get across. Are we all making our way to this heavenly Jerusalem? Who is this journey for? Who can ascend the holy hill? Well, in Psalm 15, well, let me read it. It says this. Lord, who may dwell in your sacred tent? It's talking about the temple. Who may live on your holy mountain? It's Jerusalem. Who can journey there and stay there? Well, here's the answer. The one whose whose way of life is blameless, who does what is righteous, who speaks the truth from their heart, whose tongue utters no slander, who does no wrong to a neighbor and casts no slur on others, who despises an evil person, a vile person, but honors those who fear the Lord who keeps an oath even to its own hurt and does not change their mind, who lends money to the poor without interest, who does not accept a bribe against the innocent, whoever does these things will never be shaken. Hmm. It's a tricky mountain to get up, isn't it? It's a really hard mountain to get up. I don't think I could get up that mountain, no matter how many paths there were. If this is the true and living God's mountain, where he is, I don't think on his terms I can make it there. So who is this journey for? I can't make it. Well, it's for one person, really. That's, that's kind of what we learn, is that it's only Jesus. We had a great time of communion on Tuesday night. It's a wonderful time remembering the Lord's death. And we also remembered of some of Jesus' most famous words 
um, John 3.16, but a couple of verses before that, he said these words, no one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. That's to say, from Psalm 15, there's no one blameless. All these paths up the mountain are dead ends. That they're not leading to the true and living God. Jesus says, no. The only way to come up the mountain, to ascend the holy hill, is through the one who's come down the mountain to meet us. So Jesus is the son of man who's come down from heaven and he is the way, the way for us to come. And so, if you want to be on this journey, traveling to the new Jerusalem, to the perfected world, to where all things are right, how are we to get there? How are we to ascend this holy hill? Well, first and foremost, we need to know that it's through one road, one way, and it's Jesus. Jesus. He has come down to us so that we can be raised in him. And in him, we are made blameless because he took our sin on the cross. And so, as an introduction to these Psalms, we need to know that Psalms of Ascent, if we want to ascend, it's not by us ascending ourselves, it's through him who's come down. And through his resurrection, we trust in him, we can be raised. We can ascend, but only in Jesus. He is the way. He is the way to be saved. He is the way to heaven. And having said all this, let's have a look at the, uh, the psalm that's put before us. It's a song of encouragement. So as the Old Testament believers were heading towards Jerusalem, and as we have our sights fixed on our eternal future at the new heavenly Jerusalem. This song is for us. It's a song of encouragement. Because Christian songs, yes, they're praising God, but more than that, as we sing to God, we're singing to others. We're singing to others. That's why we all get to join in. As you're standing next to each other, you're singing to the person next to you. And as you're doing that, you're encouraging the other person. You're singing truth to them. And that's what we see in this song. We hear it's, it's not so much a song vertically, but it's a song horizontally. And we see two encouragements. We see the encouragement for the servants of the Lord to praise the Lord. It's this psalmist, this singer just spurring the servants of the Lord to praise the Lord. And that's what we should be doing. As we're singing to each other, as we're just being with one another, we should be spurring one another, another on to praise the Lord as we're on this journey. But it's an odd thing to say, isn't it? For servants of the Lord to praise the Lord. In our day-to-day -day life, that doesn't fit, does it? If I was to say to you, I'd like to hear you praise your boss, it'd be weird, wouldn't it? Well, maybe you had got a very good boss. I wouldn't mind praising my boss. 
But it is a weird thing, isn't it? To say, praise your boss or praise your teacher. It's a bit weird, isn't it? It suggests two things, doesn't it? It suggests that firstly, your boss is praiseworthy. It suggests that he must be good for you to praise him. But secondly, it also suggests a relationship between you and the boss, doesn't it? Because it's, it's just a bit weird. I don't know whether you've heard these celebrities who complain about being famous. It's silly, isn't it? But they complain about how weird it's being, about being famous. How they're just walking the street and people come up to them. They start praising them. They're freaked out by it. Why? It's because you don't know me. We've got no relationship. That's weird. But it's not weird here because the two things. Because the Lord is utterly praiseworthy. And because his servants aren't merely servants who go around begrudgingly doing his bidding. But they're more than servants. They're clothed in righteousness. They're saved by this Lord, redeemed by him, bought by him, and given new life. And the service isn't a thing to be done begrudgingly, but it's a joy to do, out of gratitude, out of willingness, because the Lord is so worthy. And it's the greatest thing to praise the Lord. It is the greatest thing to do. And so to encourage one another, to encourage our fellow servants of the Lord, to praise the Lord, it's a great thing to do. It's a great thing to do. It shouldn't be done out of compulsion, but willingly, because of all that the Lord has done. In the Old Testament, the Lord, with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, he wrenched his people out of slavery. He saved them through fearful judgment, but he saved them. And many mighty works the Lord displayed. And yet that's just a glimmer of what God has done for us in Jesus. He is so praiseworthy, not because he's all big and powerful, but because he came down. Jesus came down from the mountain. He entered our mess. And you know what? He saved us in a mightier way than back in Egypt because he laid down his life for us. He laid down his life for you. He died the death that you deserved so that you can have his life freely. And who are we? I mean, as I think about those things, I just want to well up and, and I want to praise him. It's so good. Who has shown such a love like this? Nobody. This is a God like no other, isn't it? He is so praiseworthy. And so it's right that we should encourage one another to praise the Lord. But it says here, all you servants of the Lord who minister by night in the house of the Lord. And the picture of the servants of the Lord is of the priests in the temple. And it's a bit of a funny illustration, isn't it? It's almost like a nudge in the ribs as someone's kind of dropping off as they're meant to be worshipping. Praise the Lord as it's at night. And there'd be such temptation, isn't there, to just rest your eyes a little bit, drop your hands, take it easy. And yet, they're, they're to praise. There's no greater thing to do than to praise the Lord. Even at night, 
in all circumstances, to praise the Lord. And yet that's a hard thing to say, isn't it? Well, it's an easy thing to say, but a hard thing to do. Because it can feel really like night, can't it? Where it can feel very hard to praise him. Where we think oh, it would be easier just to, just to relax. Just to take it easy. Not to, not to praise the Lord as I should. As busyness of life gets involved. Or as sickness or tensions in the family, or all these different things, which are almost synonymous with, with darkness. They can, they can detract us and can steal us away from praising God. And yet, it's still the greatest thing to praise the Lord in those circumstances. It requires a greater view of God, doesn't it? To know how good he is, even in those circumstances but it requires the work of his spirit. But also, this, this is an encouragement to praise the Lord, but it's an also it's encouraging in the way that it's asking the Lord to bless his servants. It says, May the Lord bless you from Zion, he who is maker of heaven and earth. Now this, if praising the Lord is the greatest thing to do, being blessed by the Lord is the greatest thing to be. It is the greatest thing to be. To be blessed by the Lord Almighty. To have the God of the heavens smiling at you. To have peace between you and the living God. To know his blessings there is are in Jesus, his Son. To know the peace that passes all understanding. So no matter what kind of trial you're going through, no matter how hard your journey is, that you know the blessing of the Lord in the midst of that trouble. So praising the Lord is the greatest thing to do and being blessed by the Lord is the greatest thing to be. And this song is a song of encouragement to spur them along. To spur them along. I wonder where you are on your journey as you are here today. How would you answer the question of where you've come from? And where are you going? And how does this fit into where you are? Are you praising the Lord? Are you giving thanks to him? Or are you more like Hagar maybe, running away in some shape or form? Or are you? Are you praising the Lord? Can I encourage you to continue and know the Lord's blessing? I hope that you can say, I'm on my way to the Lord who reigns in the heavenly Jerusalem. I'm going there in and through the way that the Lord has provided. That's Jesus, his son. And on the way, I'm going to be praising him. And on the way... Because of Jesus, I'm going to be blessed by him.